lovely humans, welcome to Real Feminism, the podcast where we talk about films from an intersectional feminist perspective. I'm your host, Joe, and today I'm joined by two lovely co-hosts. We have Armandol, so nice to have you here. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. And then we have our token white man, Lee Popey. Hi, I'm here again for emotional support. He is just here for tech support, dear listeners. That's, that's it. That's all that I need him for. So what did we watch today, Amin? So we're watching The Mummy, which I haven't seen in years, which was really interesting to rewatch mm. with an older girl lens. Older girl lens. <laughs> <laughs> with my old lady eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a teenager, I was clearly very impressionable and easily pleased. Mm. I mean, not to say it wasn't a good movie, but it was. it's interesting watching it from a, a new lens where I've grown up and I'm actually a bit more like a shore of myself mm. How, what did you do uh, yeah I feel the same way I mean we watched Lee and I watched it during lockdown and I was surprised by actually how good Evie's character is and that portrayal of womanhood I was like oh she does everything in this film and Brendan Fraser's just muscle that she rescues and brings along for the ride so that was good We've got some some little background information about The Mummy. It was released in 1999 and was directed by Stephen Sommers, who I've never heard of before. There were some ladies involved. Patricia Carr was a co-producer and we had Kelly Matsumoto being the editor. So we've got a couple more ladies in the background than we did on Jurassic Park. So that's nice. I spent a while trying to think of how to do a brief description of this film because I don't fully understand why these people think they can just stroll in and because i don't even know what evelyn is but anyway a librarian oh yeah of course she is a librarian that's true (laughs) so the mummy is set in 1923 in egypt and it revolves around these this brother sister and then evelyn and rick being lovers that kind of trio it revolves around them as they accidentally awaken a centuries-old mummy and they spend the film trying to destroy him essentially so they've gone on an archaeological dig discovered Hamanatra and awoken Imhotep the ancient Egyptian mummy I think that's me smiling at me in a way that makes me think (laughs) when you said awaken an ancient mummy and try to defeat it Armand shook her head with disdain (laughs) I shook my head because essentially a bit of a I say like a generalized like a sum up of the film is that the white American British people have gone in to disturb the peace of this Egyptian (laughs) town that's been left alone for 3,000 years this mummy's been at rest for 3,000 years the army's there protecting it but no the white people had to come in and (laughs) and not listen to the locals going leave it but no they did it anyway so that's why I was shaking my head Mm -hmm. because it was just it's a very mild form of colonialism it is and I yeah I was being too kind because I was like how can I explain this in a way that's not just the white people went in and messed everything up but that's essentially what happened and I was saying to Lee actually when I was watching the film that I hadn't considered this because when I watched this as a teenager I didn't understand colonialism and ancient Egypt was just an exciting thing and you'd go to the British Museum and see the mummies and stuff and now watching it as an adult I'm like hmm This whole film is just people stealing stuff from cultures that's not theirs and they have no right to steal. And maybe the mummy being awakened is actually a good thing. Not for all of the people like 
in Cairo and in Egypt, obviously. But for those people, I'm like, mm -hmm, they probably did deserve to die in the horrible ways they died. I don't feel that sad for them. Well, there's always consequences to pay for stupidity. Is all right. <laughs> Maybe a little harsh. Rachel Wise's character, Evie, she only went to get the mm. book, right? She Obviously, the ones that died horribly were there to steal treasures. But mm -hmm. she just wanted that book of the dead and accidentally mm. brought about the end of the world. Yeah, I'd say because she says that's her like lifelong dream is to get the book of the dead. I mean, it's still not hers to take. But yeah, she seems to be in it more for knowledge, not for riches. I don't think she's stealing it for the British, though. I think she was stealing it for the library that she works at in Cairo. Oh, no, no. I am not by any means claiming that this is uh, the East End Company, India Company, going in and trying to colonize Egypt. I'm just saying, I hopefully it makes her motivations a lot better than the American characters who are just like there to take all the gold. No, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. But she was instructed yeah. not to go. Yeah, I mean, the guy she works for was like... Mm. Don't go there, but obviously she doesn't. I mean, I think she probably just thinks he's being an annoying man who's telling her not to do something because she's a woman, is my guess, that she's like, no, man, I'm going to do it. There was a direct quote from the film, because when they do mm. go, do you remember when they go and they discover that place? I can't remember what it's called. Um, up Yeah, and then there's the two different, the, the American camp and their camp. And the American guy goes, oh, is, do they know something that we don't? Mm. The leader of that trail said, well, she's a woman. What does a woman know? I know. And then it cuts to her explaining all of this stuff yeah. that the guys there are like, I don't know. What are these mirrors? She's like, oh, it's this. Blah, 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 blah. So actually quite a lot. <laughs> so we should probably say that we've got two female characters that we can talk about. We have Evelyn Carnahan, who's Evie. She is one of the main protagonists of the film, but I don't. I mean, she says she's a librarian in a great scene when she gets really drunk and says she's really proud of what she is and she's a librarian, which is just beautiful to look at as someone who loves books. I'm like, yes, Evie, you're a librarian. But I, I don't know why, but I thought she was like an Egyptologist or an archaeologist, but they don't ever mention if she has any like professional accreditation. I guess she's just a smart lady who likes Egypt. Her dad was a famous explorer and her mum was Egyptian and she speaks and can read fluent hieroglyphs. Mm. <laughs> Essentially, that's it, isn't it? That she's on their parents' bankroll. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I love that bit where she explains all of her skills, which are very commendable. And then he's like, no, it's because your parents gave me loads of money. But you know what is interesting <laughs> is how they introduce her into the film. Like they basically, she's clumsy and dipsy. But she's so clever. Mm. But the, why the opening scene is of her dropping all those books and not being able to use mm. her, the, that ladder thing, you know, it sets the tone <laughs> for her personality. Yeah, let's talk about that scene um, before we move on to Anaxuna Moon. Because I feel like, on the one hand, I hate that they've made her ditzy and clumsy because it's a bit of a trope for women in films and in books. But then on the other hand, it makes her quite relatable because I can picture myself doing something like that and I have destroyed things at work that I've had to like call the IT guy and be like I've deleted something off our whole network what do I do fix it please so in some respects I'm like it's annoying and then in others I'm like well it does make her quite relatable as a character because there was also that time at work where you accidentally resurrected an ancient evil and almost destroyed the earth <laughs> yeah I wasn't gonna bring that up but there was that time <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I, do, I get what you're saying. She's definitely relatable in that sense, but it's just they always have to. Sometimes it feels like female mm. characters have to be relatable to be clever. Why can't mm. she just be a strong, clever librarian? Yeah, you know. I think I have a theory that they want her to be non-threatening, and by showing her as being, yeah, she's really smart, but don't worry, like she's an idiot sometimes as well, and is clumsy and foolish. I think my thought is that it makes her very non-threatening as a character to men. That might just be oh, being no, too feminist think, of me. I think that know. is fair because even throughout the whole film, you know, she's surrounded by men who don't really take her seriously until the shit hits the fan. Mm. I was just going to say, even then, there's a scene where Rick, who we should probably just briefly explain that Rick O'Connell is her um, love interest in the film. Um, and she saves his life, stops him from being hanged in prison and gets him to take her to Hamanaptra because he has been and survived. So there's one point when the mummy has been resurrected and he picks her up and throws her onto the bed and locks her in her bedroom after she has proven herself to be more capable than her brother, Jonathan, at fighting and uh, like being intelligent and knowing what to do. And I was so... I was like, that's, that scene doesn't actually make a lot of sense. And A, really stupid, because she's probably a lot safer actually being with him than she is just being locked in a room. I, I was so annoyed at that bit, because it did feel disrespectful to her. Is that not, though, because Imhotep specifically is gunning for her? So he left her mm. there with those Americans to guard her, because they had to go... I can't even remember where they had to go, but like if him, like they needed to make sure she was safe because Imhotep wants to kidnap her so that she is possessed by the ghost of Thingy. Yeah, but they he left her with the two... Like, why would you put them all in one place? Or why would you not all try and... Because, like, Imhotep's after that those two That is a very Americans. good point. <laughs> that is a <laughs> very every time good I'm point. Like, this is the least safe place she could possibly yeah. be. Yeah, but then it is, and it, it does mean she's it is a, just a very I am man but the whole throughout the whole film it it did it, it didn't quite click that being brutal and you know killing these things doesn't work you need mm. intellect behind it so it's just that whole I am man I will save you you know I am your knight in shining mm. armor therefore I will pick you up and throw you and put you in the room and lock you up because it didn't it didn't actually save her did it in the end no, and it just does mean that we get to see her in another nighty though, because she goes to bed and then gets dragged off in another nighty. She also loving... gets her second unwarranted kiss of the film. Oh, that is true. yes, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's talk about the sexual assault in this film because there are two different scenes. I remember the Rick one. I had forgotten the Imhotep one, and it's interesting that the one from the white guy she is excited by because she she sort of talks about how she's kind of mooning over him i guess and then with imitat she's i mean to be fair as he's kissing her he then morphs into the mummy which is horrifying but it's <laughs> it's slightly different because also by then she knows that she's a sacrifice mm. so but technically there's yeah. three scenes there's that scene when he's being rick's being hung and she's trying to save him and um that guy you know she says to him what can i do and he propositions her and basically mm, i'm a lonely man with me. yeah so, um, so then technically there's three incidences yes there is that as well oh 
God, Evie. I the bit I found most frustrating, I think, about um I mean, none of it's good, but I think when Rick joins Jonathan and Evie at the boat and he's all like looking nice, he says to Jonathan, Oh, I'm sorry about the punch. But there's no apology from him, like, oh sorry that I like assaulted you sexually. That isn't something that he sees to be apologized for. And then later when she says to him, oh, why did you kiss me? And he's like, I don't know. Oh, no, he, I know what he says to her. He says, oh, you're still angry about that kiss, yeah. huh? As if it's something that she shouldn't be annoyed about. And frustratingly, she's not. She's like, oh, he's a beautiful man. He kissed me. And he, oh, well, as girls, we're lucky that a guy is swooning over us. Sexy, <laughs> sexy, so Brendan Fraser. I mean, I'm not going to lie. When I watched it when I was like 14, 15, that was mm. the takeaway for me from that movie. Oh, my God, he's so fit. But now, I'm not going to lie. Yesterday, I did enjoy the eye candy, but I was a bit disappointed in myself. Like, I can't believe that's what I took away from the movie. And not the fact that she was a clever person that saved the day. Mm. Yeah, that's true. I also did the same thing because it was a shock. It wasn't a shock that he's still a good looking man, but it was a shock that she's smart. <laughs> yeah. I was like, was she always like that? I don't remember that. <laughs> God damn it. Okay, so we'll talk a bit more about Evie in a bit. So we've got her. We've also got Anak Sunamun, who is Imhotep's um, lover and the reason why he gets cursed as a mummy. And she is either the wife or wife-to-be of the pharaoh, Pharaoh Seti I. And I thought it was interesting to note that she's played by a Venezuelan actress. So they haven't necessarily whitewashed her, which is nice as we will see in this film. That doesn't always happen. She was painted gold, though, from head to toe. Yeah, maybe we should have a little... Ch okay, should we talk about her? Because there's not actually a lot to say about her. She's only she's in the film at the beginning in a flashback scene where they're setting up um, the backstory about Imhotep and why he's the mummy. And then we see her at the end where she... I mean, it, it could easily not actually be her. She's just a mummy covered in bandages it's interesting i get that the western view of egypt is very much you know beautiful beautiful women that had amazing body shapes and they're all they you know their makeup and everything was all and they're golden like i think that is a very western view but it's mm. i don't know what the reality of that is you know having been to egypt and you know the the diagrams, I don't know what they're called, those pictures, you know, they, they that's it. They, uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> they don't. Sorry, the diagrams, I don't know. <laughs> that's the scientist in me coming out. <laughs> they're, you know, they're not, they, they don't depict uh, like beautiful girls like that. I'm not saying that she wasn't beautiful. It's just interesting how she was probably the most beautiful girl in the land, and therefore this guy could not help but having an affair with her. Yeah, of all the women there that he could have slept with, it it had to be her. And it's there was also a big sense with her of ownership that she's being owned by the pharaoh because he paints her body mm. so that if anyone touches her, he will know because it will smudge her beautiful body paint and. That's really creepy to me. Because also, like, that would get... I'd sweat that off instantly. I'd accidentally walk into a wall or something. Like, that would get rubbed off just by me. And I'd be like, oh, no. The pharaoh's going to think I've slept with the high priest. And it's just me being a fool. Well, did they not just wear clothes back then? I gen This is a genuine question. I don't know. I don't know either. Because 
I, I was reading up about it and I think it's largely body paint that she wears in the film. She's just got like some nipple patties and some flash coloured pants on and everything else. I think she's just painted. And I guess maybe they're trying to show, again, the ownership of that pharaoh showing her off and being like, look at this beautiful thing that I own. Isn't she beautiful? That's my guess. But she is, although she's not in it that much, I forgot that she's the one who stabs the pharaoh and then kills herself. It showed that she's in charge of her own destiny and that she's, presumably she's been forced to marry this man um, and obviously doesn't want to be with him. And she says to his guards, my body is no longer his temple, just uh, highly. Sorry, um, it does state <laughs> in the film that she's his mistress. Oh, and, I wasn't sure And she is in love with Imhotep. They are a couple, and he just took her as his yeah. mistress. Okay. Oh, so she's not even married. Yeah. And that's why she yeah. hides him as well. That's why she hides Imhotep, to be like, it wasn't him, it was me that did the killing. Okay, so that's pretty cool that she's shown in that way, and she's not some sort of meek, submissive woman. She's like, no, fuck you, guy, I'm going to kill you, and then my lover's going to resurrect me, everything's going to be great except she is strong because even afterwards mm. when she comes back as a mummy she's still fighting yeah 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 she's terrifying as a mummy okay so that's evelyn and anaksuna moon and then we have our intersectional characters uh, we have ardith bay who isn't named in the film but he is the leader of the magi who are the warriors who protect harmonaptra and try to stop people from resurrecting the mummy he the guy that's got the Arabic writing on his cheeks. Yeah. Um, who also is very good looking. Oh, I know. That was another takeaway. <laughs> so we have Ardith Bey. Um, and the actor he played in was born in Tel Aviv in Israel. So that's pretty good. Um, much closer to Egypt than a lot of other places. Uh, we have Dr. Terence Bey, who is the curator or the manager of the museum that Evie works at, and the actor he plays in was born in India. We have Warden Gad Hassan, who's played by, is it Omid Jali? He's, so Omid's born in Iran, and he's playing um, the warden of the prison that Rick is imprisoned in. Uh, and he decides to join them on the journey because he's promised a cut of their, whatever treasure they find, and he decides he wants to protect his assets. And I think it's fair to say he is just used for white people to make jokes at. He's not. We'll talk a bit more about him in a bit, but he is not portrayed in a good way at all. And then we have Pharaoh Seti I, and the guy who plays him was born in Morocco, which is where they actually filmed the movie, because they couldn't film it in Egypt. So those characters were deeming they've done a good job with the cast. And then we have Imhotep, who should be in the intersectional character section because he's playing an Egyptian mummy. But the guy who plays him is called Arnold Vosloo, and he's South African of Dutch and German ancestry. So I think it's fair to say that he's a white man playing an Egyptian man. And I don't think in the film they've like, I don't think they've painted him to make him look Egyptian, I think, which is good, obviously. But I mean, I'm sure they could have found someone else to play him who's not like a white man. I would have liked that. What about Benny? So Benny, um, his character is Hungarian. So he's also just played by an American actor, I think. But at least he's meant to be like a white character. And I'd argue that Imhotep is not. Is Benny okay? Because he's he feels like he's under a bit of makeup, but he is also in the desert and all sweaty in that. 
I don't know. I don't know if that something feels off about Benny. Did they give him an accent as well? Mm. Was that his actual accent? He was born in Chicago, so I guess he's just putting on an accent for it. So we haven't written down Benny to discuss because his character is Hungarian. But if people are listening who are Hungarian or who just think they agree with Lee and that it's not really okay that they've just got this man to put on a fun accent, because I, for me, I. I think I watched it and wasn't sure if he was meant to be Egyptian or mm. what he was meant to be. It was only through Googling that I was like, oh, okay, he's Hungarian. I had no idea. He just has a generic foreign, in air quotes, accent. It's interesting that he might not identify as anything because, you know, there's a bit where he's stuck and he's yeah. got all those different religious symbols. Mm, so yeah. I don't know if he's just, a, he's just meant to be other. Yeah, maybe. Also, in that scene where Imhotep is like, have gold. Now, where is the rest of these? Where was he holding those trinkets? Yeah, I know. He I was have pockets. The same. <laughs> you were dead a minute ago. Where did you? Also, actually, while we're just talking about him, there's one thing that bothered me. So he stole the eyes of a guy that couldn't see without his glasses. What a waste of time. <laughs> I, think I, I think I said that to Joe last time. That has always bothered me since I was a kid, that his eyesight would be awful. Unless that's why he thinks Evie is thingy even though they look nothing alike <laughs> we just have to assume he got magical powers and fixed his eyes I was like, he's crawling on the floor with his gaffes and he stole his eyes like now you're blind pharaoh not i can't see i noticed that we have the same thing happening in this film that we had in jurassic park that the character with glasses is shown as losing his glasses and then essentially being disabled because he can't see and it's his downfall as well yes yeah both of them get killed because they they lose their glasses. So those are intersectional characters. Let's move on and just briefly talk about the Bechdel test because there's not a lot to say about them. The female Bechdel test, I think it's safe to say that no, they, it doesn't pass that test. Um, although we have two female named characters, which is the first criteria, I don't think they talk to each other at any point and certainly not about anything other than a man. Mm. okay so that's a shame doesn't pass that so we then come to the race Bechdel test and we have a bit of a feminist corrections corner here because Lee did some research over to you Lee uh, while cutting the last episode I decided I'd look up to see if one existed and one does according to the website the censorship and social justice.com they have the race Bechdel test which is essentially the same thing it, point number one are there two or more named people of colour? Uh, point number two, who talk to each other? And point number three, about something other than white people? So for this film, um, I put down yes, question mark, because we have multiple characters who are played by people of colour. And Terence, Dr. Terence Bay and Ardith Bay, oh, they both have the same surname. I've legit only just realised that, and I wrote them down in my pad and didn't notice. Anyway, so... They talk to each other about Imhotep. So they're discussing a character who isn't white, but he's played by a white man. Mm. So I don't know if that counts or not. I mean, technically, yes, it does, doesn't it? Mm. Because you can't fault the guy, for, you know, the actor. But in mm. that situation, they're talking about a non-white character. Okay, so we'll say yes... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's certainly better than anything we got in Jurassic Park. So I guess we have to take that as a win. 
So you're telling me, sorry, Joe, you're telling me there's a film set in Egypt, and that, <laughs> is that the only time that <laughs> that one scene, two non-white characters talk about something other than a white person? Yes, I think right. that's I just it. wanted to make that very clear. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whilst we're on the intersectional characters, I thought it was interesting to mention that we do see a lot of Egyptian back people cast extras that's the word I, I understand films we see a lot of Egyptian extras and they're sort of just used as one article described it as cannon fodder um, they're used as the diggers um, that the white people clearly see as being dispensable because they're the ones who have to open up that um, tomb and then they get killed by like compressed salt acid or something else horrible and also I don't know if any of you guys noticed any women in the background in Cairo but I didn't notice any women at all and I don't know whether that's because at that time women weren't allowed to be out and about as much I only noticed one woman when there's a scene where that army old army man is in the bar and he's drunk yeah and there's that lady that belly dancer who's taking him away from the bar mm. And then he clearly doesn't go away because he comes back again. But that's the only time I remember seeing a woman. There was the women that dressed up Evie when they got off the boat. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, that, and that, I think that's it. It was just a surprise because in like all of the prison scene and the bit where they're all kind of zombies, it's just men that I could see. And they're all, they're all kind of shown as being very like poor and dirty and not they're just not shown I, I feel like Egypt in that present time in 1923 is shown as being dirty and unpleasant and then ancient Egypt is shown as being golden and beautiful and mm. wonderful did you say you've been to Egypt Alman? yeah yeah I went a couple of years ago on holiday was it golden and beautiful <laughs> I have to say I had I went to Hagada and it was very beautiful. But then I also went to Alexandria, Cairo. They are, Cairo is like any other city. It's like London. It is mm. disappointing that the pyramids are literally slap bang in the middle of the city. Mm. That's like any any city, isn't it? You like, but no, it, it is nice. It's beautiful, but it's dusty. And I think, well, this is also where like India is seen as dirty because it's dusty, but it's not dirty. It's just, a dusty city yeah it's just hotter with less rain yeah and so therefore what might be seen as decadent and sophisticated and nice is going to be different because you briefly mentioned the lady who's quite voluptuous and she's shown like her belly's kind of hanging out she should we have a little chat about the how the women are portrayed and particularly evie's outfits because they're questionable <laughs> she's mostly in her nightgown yeah yeah and always like really nice nightgowns but i again i didn't realize it was set in 1923 until you mentioned it at the beginning so when did you think it was set i don't know i just thought it was like 1999 and they were just excavating oh yeah uh, did, hang cosplay. on did you not notice the lack of technology and that there was no electricity those little bits didn't really occur to me. I was more <laughs> concentrating on the fact that they would have to get the mummy out. I was more focused on the plot. At what point did you realise 
that it was not set in 1999. Was it like a few minutes ago? When Joe said it was set in 1923, that's literally when I realised. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that does explain why she hasn't popped Tesco's to get some pyjamas. <laughs> yeah, I said Tesco's hasn't been invented yet. <laughs> yeah, maybe the, I thought maybe you were talking about F and F. They could have gone to George still. <laughs> oh no, what time he has? I'm probably like every like movie maker's dream because I don't. I sometimes lose where you know, you like were, you were like, I can't believe Rachel Wise <laughs> is so ditzy, and then you're like, oh, I didn't know this. this I'm literally, <laughs> I'm literally that girl. Like I'm clever but a bit dumb. Like. Yeah, no, I feel the same. Sometimes I shock myself by intelligent and at the same time stupid. I can be. Yeah, yeah, like I am a very intelligent person, but I did not realise that movie was getting nice. So <laughs> I think her probably her nightgowns are probably quite in keeping of what women would wear, particularly like aristocratic. I don't know if she's meant to be aristocratic, but she's certainly rich. rich. Yeah, yeah. Well, definitely. This is why, like, when I made that comment when we were like pre-talking. Should we start again? <laughs> But so, but what bothers me more is that that dress she wears in the desert, which is see-through. I mean, we were sort of saying before that she buys the clothes from a group of women who are wearing quite traditional. Is Egypt a Muslim country predominantly? So she's wearing quite traditional. They're all wearing quite traditional sort of female Muslim clothes, and then she comes out in quite a sheer black dress, and she's wearing a veil, and it's very sheer and black, and she looks in air quotes, exotic. She's lined her eyes and that's when Rick notices how beautiful she is for the first time. And I saw somewhere online they were saying that's a bit of a stereotype that showing like women who are of colour as being these exotic, mm-hmm. beautiful, ooh, exotic ladies. And yeah. I just thought particularly the bit with the veil is so dumb because... If she maybe if she were in Cairo, I'd be like, okay, maybe they've made stuff like that for some tourists to sell, maybe. But where she, the women she got that outfit from, I can't imagine own they would own like a sheer dress. Do you remember what they were talking about when she's revealed dressed like that? No. They're saying that they could have got the camels for free if they had traded Evie oh, for them. Yeah. Oh, oh yes, yeah. yes, I remember. <laughs> But that is but that is a thing. That is a very that is a thing fetishizing Asian women. Yes. Um, with you know, like wearing the the veil. Because the whole thing is that you're not meant to see, so it's like a tease, isn't it? And mm. that, like you can only see the eyes and the eyes are like meant to be sexy and whatever. But that does happen. Mm. Um, yeah. Like, so I'm gonna say something, but you can cut it out if you don't appropriate. <laughs> Here we go. But when you are on Pornhub... I didn't see this coming. I didn't see this coming. Asian porn is all, you know, like there's a whole thing about Muslim women and having sex because it's like the unveiling and it's sexy. Um, A little bit like how some people like women dressing up as nuns. Yeah, but it's it's like that scene in Sex in the City, number two, when they're in Dubai. And then, mm. you know, they, like, they, like, take off their veils and underneath it, they're all dressed really nice. It's the whole, oh, what's underneath there? 
you know that yeah. kind of thing which has become quite fetishized yeah it has i don't think that's inappropriate i just I, porn I, is always welcome oh, that's fine I just wanted to <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i think it's fair to say that none of evie's outfits are appropriate because in jurassic park all of ellie's outfits fit the scene they have a function and Evie's, it does feel like they're there just to make her look very feminine and sexy. And I don't I don't know if frail. No, damsel in distress. Yes. But she starts off wearing clothes, like she has trousers on, you know, when she's yeah. like when she's traveling or when she's saving you know, like she's inappropriate clothing. Mm. But it's when she becomes this damsel in distress that's being sacrificed, then they dress her in these floating nightgowns it's really annoying it feels like a disservice to her character as well that they've done that to her i uh, the nightgowns kind of make sense because it's night time and she's going to bed but particularly the outfit she buys from in that small town like, but evie's character i when i rewatched this i was surprised by how much the plot is moved along by her um, although Jonathan is the one who gives her the map, she's the one who understands what it is. And she's the one who decides we're going to go discover Harmonatra. She rescues Rick and she's the one who awakens the mummy. And she's the one that then controls the army because she's when her she's being attacked, mm. her brother's shouting out for help, isn't he? Mm-hmm. She's also saving her brother. Yeah, I thought that was... So even though she's obviously rescued at the end, I think it's balanced out by her rescuing Rick. I think I've written down another scene where she rescues people, but I'll discover that in a minute. Oh, she saves him from getting shot, doesn't yeah. she? Yeah. She pulls him back with some bullets. She does it a few times because there's basically... When Thingy gets resurrected and Rick is just like, yeah, I'm out of here. My part of the job is done. That kind yes. of shows what Rick's character is like yeah. until, you know, mm. at the end with his character progression. But Evie is always about saving people. Mm. So she, mm. when the hordes of people attack them, she knows the only way to save everyone is to be captured. She's like, he has to get me yeah. to this place. So get there mm. first. So she offers herself, she sacrifices herself to protect everyone else, which at that point in the film, Rick wouldn't do. No, no it's interesting that the two females do that because that's what Anuksu, and I, can, I can't say her name. Anuksuna Moon, I think. Yeah, she sacrifices herself and so does Evie. But then it's interesting because then, you know that where they're in the desert and, you know, he's created mm. a sandstorm, the pharaoh, she kisses him to stop that as well, doesn't she? Yes. Them. So she does the majority of the saving, so it kind of doesn't bother me that at the end Rick has to come in and like free her from that um, sacrificial slab because, as you, Lee mentioned, she's only there because she realised the only way out of that situation was to give herself up to Imhotep and be like, rescue me, please, or I'll come back and haunt you. And I did make a note that, um, similar to how I don't think Ellie and Alan's characters could be swapped, I don't I was picturing if they'd had Jonathan being a female character and I don't think at least at the time they made it that would be allowed because his character is the most useless mm. character he's he's just drunk greedy lazy really cowardly and Rick and punches him in the face <laughs> and Rick punches him in the face and I can't see him being played by female character I don't think at that time we could have had people could have handled seeing a woman being like that maybe we've got some examples now but i think it strengthens evie's character having a weaker brother yeah yeah that's I, true i, I thought of that if she, if he was a guy 
then she'd have to be big sister and it wouldn't that that power dynamic would be so obvious yeah that's true that's a good point i mean she very much is the intelligent one in that trio um she is the one who's as they're digging up like the tomb she's explaining what all of it means and she also really relishes in a lot of the gory details i noticed which i quite enjoyed that she's like yeah and then they pull your brains out through your nose and is just really excited about it so i think they've done a really good job with her character um, she also gets to say to benny that nasty little fellows like him get the comeuppance they deserve and he's like they they do mm-hmm oh and then obviously at the end she's the one who breaks the curse she once they've opened the book and she she reads the inscription which then breaks the curse of imatep and he although rick kills him she's the one who made immortal which enables him to be killed so it kind of comes full circle that she's the one that actually starts the whole thing in motion the whole film and she's continually just moving the plot along it's always her doing it so good job they did good with evie now let's talk about some things they didn't do so well at. Shall we talk about Warden Gad Hassan, who is portrayed as just being, in fact, not even just subtly portrayed. There are times where Jonathan says, where's our smelly little friend? Mm. Or the scene where he's talking about the camels and says like, oh, I hate camels. They're dirty, smelly, they spit. And the camera just pans to the warden and he's spitting. Yeah, he is the butt of the joke. Hugely. And it fe- did feel like that's all he was there was just to be this trope of like, an Arabian man and being just smelly and disgusting, which I think probably comes up in films quite a lot. And then he's he's just there for the white people to be able to make jokes at, like the bit where he says to Rick on the boat that's burning, what should we do? And Rick says, you stay here, I'll go get help, which is a great line. <laughs> but then it just leaves the warden on the boat, like, yeah. and then he realizes, oh, he's making a joke. And he's just portrayed as being stupid throughout the whole film. And also greedy. Because mm. he was the one that went off and got his own treasure, those beetles, but then obviously they killed him. You know, and he's only ever after the money because obviously that's why he saved Rick. So it's yeah. Mm. Not smart. Yeah, hugely greedy. It's greed that kills him as well in the end. Like it kind of in two ways, because he tries to eat the be not eat the beetles, he tries to steal the beetles. And then if he's so like focused on getting the money that he was promised for freeing rick that he's like i'm gonna go with you guys even though it's dangerous and i I do feel a bit sad for his character because it 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 just feels it just feels sad i guess a lot of the egyptian characters are not seen in a great way i think i was reading an article that was saying like even with the magi people they're shown i think they're probably made to look quite exotic with their like tattoos and they're kind of making ululations as they're attacking the white people and there's a scene where you see one of them with like a curved knife which looks particularly terrifying and and even though they're obviously seen as the good guys in the end because they help out the heroes of the story i think it kind of goes back to what you were saying Amon, that they should have been seen as the good guys the whole time because they're like hey we're trying to protect our heritage and protect this mummy from being like released and also can you just stop stealing all of our dead people cheers and they're just ignored but then i think they're portrayed as a bit of the enemy at the beginning aren't they because they're always on the attack it's not always clear until the middle that actually they're trying to protect Mm -hmm. the sacred place because like evie says to them i think when our death 
and Dr. Terence are talking and she says, well, you think this justifies the killing of mm. innocent people? And they're like, uh, to protect like this deadly curse from being like awakened. Yes, I do. And also if they try to explain, no one's going to believe them because it's mad, but also because they're, they're Egyptian people who are coming in trying to talk to white people. Like there's no way they'd get believed. They'd just be like, oh, you're just being superstitious. We don't care what you think. We're here for treasure. Well, they didn't. You know what I mean, them. they didn't believe them, did they? Because they were saying, yeah. And even though when they were, he was reading out the inscription, you know, the mm. when they weren't, they weren't believing any of it. Mm. And also, who opens up the Book of the Dead and reads it out aloud? <laughs> like, well, no harm ever came from reading a book, Armin. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, the warden. He's also shown as being really lecherous as well, which I think is often something that Arab men are often portrayed mm. as being like they're just lecherous dirty smelly men um, and I found at the end when Ardeth says to Evie and Rick uh, you have earned the gratitude of me and my people may Allah smile on you always I was a bit like would he say that because it's their fault that the mummy got resurrected I think he'd be like now for fuck's sake please don't come back here stop putting your nose where it doesn't belong just go away I can't yeah. imagine him actually being like I'm so grateful to you thank you and I just interject with though would he now not like his whole life has been that he said to protect that mummy mm. but now they've killed that mummy so now he can what do i do a job in tesco he invents tesco <laughs> <laughs> get some nice pajamas for Evie. <laughs> so maybe it was like i was thinking tesco. about those pajamas and uh my initials are <laughs> f and f <laughs> maybe he is grateful because he doesn't have to mm. be the protector anymore. But I don't think he would be so okay with it. What did make me laugh is that he just then drove, like drove off, but rode off on his camel. Like, <laughs> we'll see ya. Yeah. Like, I'm not bothered that you actually yeah. make it out of there, okay? Yeah, right, right. Well, that's me out. Bye. I don't think I have much else to say other than... Oh, Evie arrives at Harmonaptra first. That was quite cool. That she's really great at riding the camels and knows what she's doing. While a lot of the others... I'm just like, what's going on? She's like, oh, blah, blah, riding so a camel off. That is, I have to say, that is one positive thing about Rick's character is that he in, he likes the fact that she's um, mm. strong and intelligent and that she's, you know, always going ahead and doing things her way. And he's drawn mm -hmm. to that. So that that is actually a really positive thing about his character is that he's not threatened by her. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. And he's not trying to stop her from although he like locks her in her room we he can read that as he's trying to protect her but mm. yeah you're right he does he finds that attractive about her that she is capable and adventurous she's incredibly confident like that scene where um both her and rick and the americans arrive at a tomb at the same time and she's like we got here first she's just throughout the whole film is really confident in her own abilities and just in her She's not shy, is she? She's assertive. She saves them from the Mexican standoff because she's yes. just like, we can dig other places. Yeah. Wink, wink. Like, Oh, I found, I found that scene really interesting that all around her were men with guns and it's just her with a book and how powerful mm. is that, that actually it just took, it doesn't need violence. She's just smart. Oh no, she, she did. She had those tools, didn't she? But it was really interesting that scene because she was the only one without a weapon. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. I love that Rick steals those tools for her. That's why I think 
sweet. It is sweet, but I was also like, if that were me, and with the guy being like, hang on, those are my tools, I'd be like, wait, they uh, you stole this gift for me? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, unless anyone else has anything to say, we can get on to rating the film. I suspect it's not going to be very high. No, I'm looking through my list because uh, I did write notes. Uh, no, every, I think we've covered everything. Can I ask, um, before we recorded, you said your housemate said that you were being a bit extra on your notes. Oh, my flatmate's friend. Yeah, so basically, we were talking about how you need Rick and Lily to make Evie. Evie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who Lily is. I don't even know where it's set. I don't know who the characters are. Did I even watch the mummy? Who knows? Did you watch the Tom Cruise one by accident? <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> that you need both Rick and Evie and I was like yes you do but I think you need Evie more than you need Rick because yeah. you know clearly being brutish shooting at things wasn't ever going to save the day mm-hmm. so you need yeah. to intellect and he was like oh I think you're being unfair on Rick and being maybe too feminist you know he's like you needed them in both equal measure mm, i don't think you do because they wouldn't have even been there if it wasn't for evie because he doesn't have any i mean he'd be dead well none of them would be there would be no movie without evie because she wouldn't have gone yeah i mean technically they wouldn't have known where the place was without rick i mean there i get it there is a balance but i think that it's like a 60 40 to evie i do like the chemistry between them i i think like it, it is nice having him there but yeah, I, I mean, he is just the muscle, unlike her protector. That's about it, really. Yeah, and he tries to make funny quips. Not that great. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess um, I didn't really write down any humorous bits. I don't think, I thought Evie's character is quite funny and jovial. I mean, that bit where she's like, I am a librarian is my favourite moment of the whole film. I love how she's tipsy drunk. And I don't know mm. how much she's had to drink, but she's like, oh, my God, I'm so drunk. And he's just like... <laughs> yeah. She's white girl drunk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, right, oh, my God, I'm a librarian. But, like, he's fine. I don't know. Yeah. I think often you'll see that, okay, the, you might get a woman who gets to be, like, capable and intelligent, but she might get to be funny as well. Whereas Evie, it felt like... And maybe part of her clumsiness comes into that. It felt like she could be quite a silly person and be funny and also be like intelligent and confident and capable why do we have more characters like evie i like evie shall we get on to the rating so for people who do not know for every film we're going to rate them out of 10 and we're splitting that rating into two so we're rating their feminists points out of five and their intersectional points out of five so for the feminist side I'm inclined to give them less than Jurassic Park, which we gave a four. What do you guys think? I'd say maybe a three or a two. I think I was thinking three and a half ish. But she's just like you just described her, and she's a really mm. good character. You know, she she's is. a strong female character. Find her nineties were a bit silly <laughs> and a see-through outfit, but she they they got her character like they did it well. Three and a half, maybe? It's just a lack of other females in the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we needed 
a bit more like obviously it doesn't pass the Bechdel test but also at least in Jurassic Park you had two characters that were female that were integral to saving people's life and it does feel like we mostly just get Evie even though Anak Sunamoon is pretty cool in the opening two minutes so she she gets to be in what do you think Lee? Uh, yeah I mean I kind of agree with you both it's, it's, it almost feels like a shame because Evie is so mm. great but there is literally one character uh, carrying the weight of the entire film and yeah again and and this character who is good and for like for all reasons but like you say they skimpy her up in clothes just to have that in the film <laughs> and like it's a mm. shame it's, it's such a she didn't need to do that at all no. um it really like brings it brings the tone down okay should we go with a three yeah happy with the solid round number Okay, so three out of five, not the worst. The intersectional rating, what do we think? Because we do have a lot more, we have a lot more characters to work with, but none of them are main characters. They're all like background secondary roles. Would you not say the guy who helps them is one of the main characters? Ardith. He doesn't even get named in the film, so I don't think so. Oh, true, fair. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think this one, personally, is uh, dependent on what if we think Benny's okay or not. I personally feel like Benny's fine because he's a white guy playing a white guy. Mm-hmm. I'm inclined to give it a two. I don't know why. Because actually, we gave Jurassic Park a one, and there, although they only had two characters who weren't whites, they're actually, both of them are proper, well, I don't know. So I would agree with the two. At least it wasn't just a, it wasn't just a film set in Egypt with no other supporting actors. There were some yeah. Egyptian characters or, you know, characters, people of colour. Mm-hmm. Um, they might not have had the most, they might not have had the greatest roles or the most, you know, um, redeeming roles to show Arabic culture in the best way, but they're, they're there. Mm. So I'd say two is fair. Yeah, and Terence gets to be, he's obviously incredibly intelligent because he's running the library, uh, not the library, the museum. Um, and Ardith's character, I think, is really cool. He gets to kind of just be like a hero rescuing them all and trying to protect the uh, the lands and the mummy. Yeah, I think a two is fair, and they haven't, they haven't done any blackface, so that's good. Thumbs up for them. Good job. I've just thought of a wild card that, yeah, I mean, it all seems on the surface, it all seems fine, but we are also none of us are Egyptian and yeah. don't really know about the history of Egypt and whether that stuff. I mean, they that happens, it's been happening in Hollywood for years, but like, is that stuff okay? I, yeah, I was thinking that if we were Egyptian, we might not feel the same way. And I did try and have a look for some articles that people have written, but either no one from Egypt cares and can be bothered to try about this film or people have written about it and google on putting it on their thing or at least not putting it high enough up but i couldn't find anything it does feel a bit like maybe when disney made pocahontas and that they just took something that isn't actually like they, they kind of have just messed around with someone's tradition and They've messed around with a culture's history, and I don't think Imhotep was ever a real person. No. I don't know. So it, it kind of does feel like they've just been like, oh, this is a cool story that we should just make and have it be fine. But 
maybe if any Egyptian listeners want to get involved and let us know what they think, that would be great because none of us are Egyptian and two of us are white. So even stupider than... Do you think we've kind of almost normalised this Western view of going in and discovering things and calling Mm -hmm. it archaeology or, you know, we're being explorers and then like justifying like you know ruining not ruining but messing up the local mm-hmm. life I, I just don't know if that we're so you know we're only really starting to talk about colonialism, colonialism and thing you know and like things like that and how bad the negative side of it but I don't know if mm. we have kind of normalized it like you know going to America and discovering America was normal. We've gone to, you know, we're doing the Egyptians a favor by going to discover the mummies. Cause I, when you're growing up, you're bombarded with mummy history, aren't you? When you're, mm. and you're like, it seems so part of English culture and history. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if we've just, it's, we've normalized it so that no one looks at that film and goes, oh, that's a bit odd that they're going to discover something. It was probably around the same time in real life that, was it Carter who discovered Tutankhamun's grave Mm. um, and burial site? So it was probably around that same time that that was happening. And we can go to museums in England and just see all of this stuff that is from ancient Egypt and that's been looted from all over the world, really. So I think you're right. It is just something that's seen as normal. And actually maybe because the film is about that we should be giving it a one because the whole film is them pillaging but that did happen though it did happen yeah but i think we're saying it's not it's not okay and if you're going to watch it as like an intersectional feminist now there should be you should be watching it i guess with a grain of salt and with an awareness that what they're doing isn't okay not just because they've accidentally awoken a mummy but because they're stealing another country's history i don't know if they're stealing it I don't know if there's, I just feel like they, there's some ownership of, well, it's ours to discover. I don't think they want to take away, they're not saying, you know, it's not Egypt. I just think there's a, there's almost a bit of an arrogance of, well, it's ours to discover. Mm. You know, they, yeah. they never ask the question of, would you like to explore this? Yes. Yeah. They're never, it's not like they're hired by like the Egyptian government or even the museum that Evie works at. She just sort of goes off on her own back to discover it. Uh, even though she's actually told by her boss, don't don't go. <laughs> there's there's no need. Don't do that. Yeah, it would it would be very different. I think if they've been sent by someone in Egypt to be like, oh, we want to discover this place. You're mm. a renowned explorer. Can you l- look into this, please? And I guess it must happen a lot because you see Rick fighting the Magi at the start of the film. There's like a whole army of people yeah. there, which was weird. I, yeah, I don't know what that seems about. So they must have that happen a lot, that people are coming along trying to discover it. Uh, he said that uh, um, he was part of that army and that army's whole point was to find that secret place to steal the gold. Oh, okay. That's why that scene's in the start. Uh, which again was really interesting because the whole army was made up of local people led by mm. Frazier. Yeah. <laughs> who will then all just get killed. He's the only one who gets to live other than Benny. Yeah. Okay. I think we should demote it to a one because... I, I don't know. I, I feel like it hasn't done enough to warrant being scored higher than Jurassic Park, personally. Joe, I, I'm happy with, to go with whatever you think. Okay. I think it'll be interesting the more we do this, the more we might look back and be like, actually, yeah. we were too generous or we weren't generous enough. Oh, sorry. I was just I can see it from both sides. Like, you know, that whole element of it's just a movie, it's a bit of fun. Mm. But then 
then it then it's the other side of what's the message you're sending out to the kids that are watching this i don't know i mean i still think it's a good movie yeah like if i had kids i think i'd show it to them i'd probably be like this isn't a good example of why you shouldn't do this because you'll awaken mummies and they were told not to go in there they were bad <laughs> they do all learn their lesson from it because the ones that tried to steal the gold die um, yeah, no, yeah. when I watched this as a kid it made me think oh mummies are cool it didn't make me think do you know what I want to do <laughs> rob places <laughs> yeah fair enough okay let's go with the one because although there are more intersectional characters in this film than Jurassic Park I think they're not as strong as like Arnold in Jurassic Park and also you've got like Ward and Gad is just I think both the warden and the pharaoh are just very negative portrayals. Yeah. I, so it's so overall, it gets a four out of ten. Yay! <laughs> oh, one of these days we're going to do a film that gets at least like a seven, maybe. I mean, probably not until gets out. What's the what year was Jurassic Park made? Nineteen ninety-three. And then this was made in 1999. Mm. And it yeah. was set in 19. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <Thank you>. <laughs> <laughs> but there may be a representation of its time. Maybe in 1923, you didn't see any like local people, I don't know, excavating. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, even in Indiana Jones business. with the ex- excavating scenes, it's not, it's mm. the people that live there that are doing the excavating. Yeah, I think what you see is they're used to do the hard labour work, not the more maybe intelligent understanding of what it is that's being found. So we end this podcast with The Mummy having a four out of ten. Thanks for listening, feminist friends. And thank you very much to my delightful co-host for being here, especially Amon. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No offence to Token White Man Lee, but it's less exciting that you're here. I'm going to cut that bit out. (laughs) If you want to get involved in the chats, we are on Facebook and Instagram at Real Feminism, Real spelled R-W-E-L. And we'll be back in your ears in two weeks' time where we will be reviewing the spooky spooky Midsommar. Until then, bye!